Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. Man, what a great day in the Lord's house. Weren't those testimonies awesome? Could we praise God? You know, that little guy's dad sent me a text. Um, he and his family, they've been here for since pretty much since the beginning, his dad. And um, he sent me a text of that little, the little guy, um, Elijah. Um, listen, I can't remember my own kid's name. So uh, him witnessing in McDonald's like really sharing his faith and then throwing his arms around a couple kids and praying over them. How many praise God? He's on the move in this place. He's on the move. Hallelujah. God is good. Okay, I want to jump right into a couple of very important verses. Um, last week's message and this week's message, in a sense, I'll explain to you, but they sort of partner together. As, a, as a, a pastor, I feel that I need to preach on two topics at the beginning of the year. And both of these last weeks and this week's really are important to our having a blessed, balanced, biblical, godly year. So I want to just jump right into it. You'll, I'll explain as we go. First, it'll be Psalm 127 in the Old Testament. We're going to do Old Testament, New Testament. Okay, in the Old Testament, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. How many believe that today? You should all believe that. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. How many are thankful for the provision and protection of the Most High God? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him credit right now for provision and protection. Amen. And then now in the New Testament, these are, these are some mystical verses, but I'm going to simplify them. We could spend hours talking about them. There's so much here. But very, very important. Okay? So Hebrews 6 at the end says this. Our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. Melchizedek. All right. That's a tough word, right? So watch this. This Melchizedek, now it's going, it's talking about Jesus, but now it's going to a verse in the Old Testament from the life of the father of faith, Abraham. Okay? It's using an example from the Old Testament, although this is in the New Testament, highlighting our father of faith. Now watch this. This Melchizedek was king of Salem, and priest of God Most High. That's very unique in biblical terms because in the Bible, the priests and the kings were always separate. You never had both except for one. 
Melchizedek. Okay, then it says, he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. What happened was, is Abraham went to rescue his nephew Lot, who had been kidnapped, and he went, he got 318 men, you can go read it in the book of Genesis, and then he rescued them. And then when he came back from getting a great victory over a number of different kings, when he meets Melchizedek, it says, he met him returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Everybody say king of righteousness. King of righteousness. You know who the king of righteousness is, right? Jesus is the king of righteousness. Okay? So uh, first the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. You know who the king of peace is, right? Jesus is the king of peace. How many are thankful for the prince of peace? Amen. Hallelujah. Very important. Watch. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, meaning eternal, Resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. He remains a priest forever. And in this passage of Scripture, we're seeing uh, the Father of faith operate in faith based on the fact that God provided for him and protected him. And when he operated in faith based on that, he brought an offering to a type of Christ. Christ had not come yet, but most commentators believe at best, or should I say at least, Melchizedek was a type of Christ. There was no one like him. Okay, he was a type of Christ. Some believe Melchizedek was actually a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ. In other words, Christ showed up before he took on human form. He showed up in the form of Melchizedek. All right? And so this is a very spiritual passage of Scripture. And we're going to learn today from Abraham, the father of faith. How many want to learn from the father of faith? So I want you to open up your heart right now. I want to keep unpacking this. But I want to pray. And let me just say this. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom that surpasses the things we touch and taste and feel. The kingdom of God is greater. And what Jesus does for us is so much greater than anything this world can offer. And so we bow our hearts to the king of righteousness and to the king of peace. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this day. Indeed, you give us joy down deep in our soul. You give us a joy that the world cannot offer us. You give us a freedom and a life that we cannot find on this earth. It only comes from you, from your love, from your mighty throne. And Lord, I just ask right now that you would bless this message to the hearts and lives of your people. I pray that this word would impact not just us, but our children and our children's children. To the future generations, oh God. So we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to minister in power today. Bless our time in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, 
amen and amen. So this passage focuses on Abraham, the father of faith. And I want to talk about why he's the father of faith. And when you look at his life, his life uh, uh, is kind of a lot, like, uh, a lot like a pizza pie. Life is like a pizza, <laughs> right? There's many different slices to a person's life. And part of the reason that he was the father of faith is because when you looked at the different slices of his life, he always chose to live by faith. So, for example, for salvation, the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. And that was mentioned when Abraham believed God and his faith was credited as righteousness to him. So the righteous will live by faith and he trusted God. He, put his, he left the idols of this world. He left the idolatry of his community, the idols of his culture, and he started to follow God. He put his faith in God. Then for family, he also lived by faith. God promised him a son, and God gave him a son, and then God said, put your son on the altar. And each time, Abraham chose to live by faith. Why is he the father of faith? Is because when it came to his family, he lived by faith. Okay, then for relationships, you see he made his choice, his relationship choices based on faith. In, in the passage that I read to you, if you keep reading, after the uh, Melchizedek comes to him, the, the king of righteousness and the king of peace, then the king of Sodom. King of Sodom represented the world, and he tried to do a deal with Abraham, and Abraham said, I don't want anything to do with you. Because I don't love the world. Love not the world or the things of this world, the Bible says. He chose the king of peace and the king of righteousness over the king of this world. He chose to live by faith in all of his relationships. Even for his career, when it came to how he lived, how he made his income, he chose, he chose to trust God and he believed God and God blessed him. He was a farmer. God blessed his flocks. He was so incredibly blessed of God and Abraham always acknowledged God and God would make promises to Abraham and Abraham would build altars to God. He would bring, give offerings to God of faith saying, you are the one who blesses my career. How many know we could do that even 2,000 years later, through, more than 2,000 years later? You see? That's why he was a father of faith. Look, even his location. Everybody say location. Faith is locational. I could preach a whole sermon on this. Where you are, where you move to, where you go, where you stay, faith is locational. And when you see Abraham's life, Abraham followed the voice of God. He went where God told him to go, and he stayed where God told him to stay. Therefore, he was the father of faith. Then, even in his finances, you see this particular passage of Scripture, even though he gets this plunder, when he comes to the priest, to Melchizedek, he, he gave him a tenth of the plunder. And what that means is he gave him the top of the heap. He gave him the first and the best. That's what he did. And then also for ministry, he, look, when he, when he went to fight 
When he went to fight for his nephew, that was part of his ministry. Do you know that we have a ministry here to fight for people? Do you know we're supposed to come on Tuesday and pray and fight for people? We have a ministry to fight for our young people and do whatever we need to do to serve them and to help them make it. And he lived by faith in the ministry and even for legacy. If you see at the end of his life, okay, at the end of his life, he had the son that God promised him. And if you're here and, and you're in the, in the senior set, like if you're like, like I'll, I'll include myself from 50 on. Okay? Come on, 50. Right? So listen, when you think about, you should think about your legacy. Faith should be applied to your legacy. Okay, don't just think about yourself. Think about the impact that you want to make. Think about what you want to leave behind. Think about what you want people to say about your life. He was a man after God's own heart. She was a woman of faith. She was a servant of the Most High God. She trusted God all the way to the end. I don't want to get old and crabby. I want to get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. How many would say amen? Because we're getting closer to Jesus. Amen. But see, the faith life does that. You know, the longer you've been on the earth, the louder you should be shouting, he gives me joy down deep in my soul. Amen. Because we have more examples of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We have more testimonies of how good God has been to us. Amen? And so what you see here is Abraham was the father of faith because in all of the slices of the pie, he chose to live by faith. Now, when you look at these slices of the pie, there are two that are easy to ignore, which is what I've been focusing on in the last couple of weeks. And the two that are easy to ignore are ministry and finances. Okay? You can live your life, right? You could live your life. You could come to church. You could be a Christian. And you could live your life and ministry, real service to God, for God, to the people of God, and in your finances, you could almost like leave these out and still experience a certain measure of blessing, but not the fullness of blessing. You see? In these two slices, these two slices are where you experience the blessing that comes when the Bible says it's more better to give than to receive. Now, when you give like God gives, God will always outgive you. Could somebody say amen to that? However, however, there's a space and a place in your life where you decide, I want to serve. I want to give. Because God has been so good to me. I want to serve. And I want to give. Because God has been so faithful to me. We were talking about this in, in, uh, um, in, the, in the back room. How day after day I was telling the guys, you know, a couple times a week this happens. A couple times a week. I'm sitting in a particular place. 
And I think about where I grew up, and I think about the stories that my dad told me. So my dad grew up really poor. My mom grew up poor in Cuba. You know, it's so, so like bread, food, the dynamics of food for us. Like I, I probably, so one of my friends told me, you preach way too much about food. <laughs> I have issues. You have to pray for me, right? <laughs> but like, like the way my dad would frame being able to have a plate of food. You know, and I remember when my cousin who snuck out of Cuba, one of my cousins spent three days in the waters, okay? They, they stole uh, um, inner tubes from truck tires. They blew them up, and then they tied canvas on it, and then they sold everything that they had to buy a compass. And then they went in the middle of the night, they got in the water, and they spent three days in the water rowing. My cousin, he was so, he was like super skinny but ripped. He was rowing for three nights. And he said at a certain point you could hear the sharks at midnight. You couldn't see anything, in you, but you could hear the fins of the sharks circling, circling. And then when he came, I'll never forget, he was about 18 or 20 years old. And when he came, we sat down to eat at a restaurant. And I'm just a young guy, got a job, all this kind of stuff. And we sat down. And I said, what do you want? He couldn't even order. He couldn't speak English, nothing. I said, I'll order. What do you think you want? Told me in Spanish, I ordered for him. When they put the food in front of my cousin, strong young man, he looked at that plate of food. We don't get this. He looked at that plate of food. And he bent his neck. And he was embarrassed, but he wept like a little baby. Because in all of his years, he never sat in front of a plate of food like that. And so for me, you know, I, 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 I grew up with those. I was telling the guys, oh, my goodness. We are so, so, so blessed. Could somebody say thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings? Abraham, in every facet of his life, he lived by faith, and he said, God, you have blessed me. Last week, I challenged all of us to step up and serve. Today, I want to challenge you to step out and give. You got to step out and give. When it comes to finances... You just have to take a step of faith. You just have to step out. Okay? And you don't experience the miracle until you step out and give. Until you recognize that everything that you have has come from God and therefore you should honor God. Faith trusts God to guide, provide, and to protect in all of the different slices of life. And what happens for a lot of people is they trust God in some of the slices, but not all of the slices. So let me just say this. Please, everybody look at me. Please, right in my face. Okay? So look. Am I preaching this message because the church needs more money? All right? I'm going to tell you right now. Absolutely not. I'm preaching this message for your sake. I'm preaching this message because I want you to experience the fullness of the blessing of God. If you look at Abraham's life, by the way, this was in the first quarter of his life. 
And in the first quarter of his life, there was this issue that had to be settled. Who is the king of your wallet? Abraham, there's a lot of other things to settle. But who's the king of your wallet? And you see, I'm telling you right now, there is a breakthrough that comes in your faith life. Not just in your finances, but in your life in general. You trust God. You experience more peace and more joy when you really start trusting God with your finances. And so what Abraham did is he gave the Lord a tithe. Everyone say tithe. Okay, what is a tithe? Okay, a tithe is a tenth of the plunder taken from the top of the heap. A tithe is a tenth of the plunder taken from the top of the heap. And by the way, some people say, well, tithing is Old Testament. Tithing is the Old Covenant. When Abraham offered the tithe, that's the first place where there was a tithe. When Abraham actually gave the tithe and the scriptures defined it, the law had not come yet. This was purely faith. This was not a requirement. This was an expression of faith. Okay, so this is not about the old rules and regulations. Now, it went on to become a law, and when it became part of the law of the Old Testament, here's what, it, what the Bible says. In verse uh, Leviticus 27, verse 26 says, No one, however, may dedicate the firstborn of an animal, since the firstborn already, everyone, belongs to the Lord. Right off the top, whether an ox or a sheep, it is the Lord's, and then it goes down, says a number of other things, and verse 30 says this, a tithe of everything from the land, a tithe of everything from the land belongs to the Lord. All of it belongs to the Lord. The question is, do you really believe that? That's the real question. You know, I, I got this little bag here. Here's what the tithe means. Let's make this super practical. How many love some good mashed potatoes? How many love some papas, as they say in Spanish, right? Okay. You know, I was in, a, I was in Guatemala. We, we took doctors to Guatemala years ago when I was pastoring in Omaha. We took doctors there, and we were taking care of the people. No running water, no electricity. We slept, couldn't take a, couldn't bathe. For three days, we couldn't bathe. We were like sleeping on the floor, and um, it was a real interesting thing because those people had nothing. But they were so grateful that they would bring us boiled potatoes. Okay? So I want you to go back a couple thousand years. Okay, please look at me. Everybody look at me. I want, you to, I want you to look at these potatoes. Okay, because these potatoes come from God. Okay? These potatoes are not the result of evolution. These potatoes come from God. This 10, it looks like a lot already. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Yes. So here's what God says. And if we had time, I would do something which, which, which we don't. 
because I, I preached this once. And here's what God is saying. He's saying, give me your first and best potato, okay? Give it to me. And then I will bless your nine potatoes. Okay? I'll multiply them. I'll cause them to make you healthy and strong. I will make them, you, you'll be nourished. And you know what? When people come over and you're like, oh, snap, I hope I have enough potatoes. Don't worry about it. You will have enough potatoes. I will make sure, as my mom used to say, from the pot that two eat, three and four can eat. How many of God is able to multiply food? He already showed that in the scriptures. And so what God is saying is, in everything, put me first. Why? Very quickly. Why does God want the tithe? Is it because God needs a potato? God, God wants us to tithe for our sake. Okay, and let me tell you why. Number one, when you tithe... You, and I, I'm going to really nail this down in a second, but when you tithe, you're act, actually acknowledging where it came from. When you tithe, when you give this to God, you're actually saying, Lord, you're my source. And when you tithe, and I'm going to tell you how Abraham said it. And when you tithe, you're saying, God, I love you so much that I want to bless other people the way you bless me. Okay, so we do KWA. It costs us a lot of money to do KWA. You know how we, how we do KWA? We don't charge those kids. We don't charge kids in our neighborhood. You know, it comes from, it comes from your giving. Okay, the snacks that the kids eat back there comes from your giving. There are all sorts of things. We keep the lights on in this place. We were able to help CPS this year because you give. We've been helping the city. We were part of a program with the city where they promised us money. The money never came and we still paid for it. Because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is full of abundance. And the people of this world should be running to the church to have their needs met. Because God is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. Could somebody say amen? And so when we give, we're giving to the kingdom of God. And we know that we are resting and trusting God. Okay? Every, every carrot. Give me the first one. And watch what I do with the rest. That translates to dollars. Translates to everything. And so, um, I'm going to put these away because people are going to get distracted. But that's what the tithe means. The tithe means that you trust God in such a deep way that you give 10% to God right off the top, okay? Now listen, the tithe is also known as the first fruits, 
okay? Not the last fruits. If you give God the last fruits, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to pay my bills first, and then if whatever I have left over, I might give to God. But that's not faith. Faith says, I give to you over and over and over again because I know that you'll continue to take care of me. Amen? By the way, by the way, I, 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 I got to remember this for next, it, you know, each sermon should get a little better, right? So for next service, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice that God doesn't ask you to give before he's given to you. Okay, where'd the potatoes come from? So, the Bible says that it is God who gives us the power to acquire wealth. He gives us the strength. Those unique giftings, you know, that we have. You have a job because God has gifted you in such a way that makes you valuable there. That gift, that ability, it came from God. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a carpenter, or a plumber, all of it comes from God. And so, fundamentally speaking, tithing is something that is deeply, deeply spiritual. It's something that is like, it's from a deep place in our hearts. And here's what I want to say in regards to learning from Father Abraham. So let me go over this one more time. I won't be much longer, but let me just say this. Remember, God doesn't need your money. God is not broke. You know, God used this to encourage me years ago. You know, when I first became a Christian, it was weird. The, like maybe the first time I turned on, I saw Christian TV, I heard a, a guy talking about money. And, you know, and I understand this. It made me super sensitive because first time, like I grew up in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? It's like every day you're running into a con artist. Every day in Brooklyn when I was growing up. And there was a saying in the hood, you can't kid a kidder, Right? So I turn on the TV, I hear this guy, I was like, that's not God. I don't, know, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but that doesn't sound right to me. You know, that guy is trying to, stick, he's trying to take advantage of people. And I was always sensitive about that. You know, and that's true. There are a lot of charlatans. But that's not what this is. This is, this is the Bible. Okay? You can make whatever choice you want. God is not broke. Men come and go, we wither like grass, and the kingdom of God and life keeps going. You understand? And so, but we do have an opportunity to honor him, to worship him. And the more we honor and worship him, the more we are blessed by him. Father Abraham is the greatest example of it. And when you look at his life, when you look at his life, it was deeply spiritual Learn to be grateful. Learn to be grateful. Learn the next time when you go to lunch today, whether it be chicken nuggets or Chick-fil-A, learn to thank 
God for that food. Amen. Learn. As a Christian, you don't take things for granted. As a Christian, you're mindful and you're spiritual and your eyes are open. And you look and you see, you see a, a, a two ki three kids getting baptized and you're like, oh, snap, God is on the move, oh, God. Of course I want to send kids off to, to, to the camp, to encounter camp. Do you know we had, how many, how many kids were, were baptized? We had eight teenagers or youth from the, from the youth ministry baptized this past Tuesday. Could we praise God? Hallelujah. It's because we give and it makes a way for us to serve people and to be blessed. So let me just, let me just say um, two last things. What did it really mean when Abraham Approached by two kings, king of Sodom, Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of peace, king of righteousness. Here's what it meant. Number one, when he tithed and when we tithe, here's what we are declaring to God. We are declaring to God, you are my king. You're my king. You're my king. Man, I got these boots on sale. Thank you for these boots. You're my king. It changes everything. You know? It changes everything. You know, uh, uh, um, Captain Crunch tastes better. I haven't had Captain Crunch since the fast. I'm like getting ready for Frosted Flakes. You're saying big things, little things. You are my king. I love you. I'm grateful to you. Listen. The Bible says, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Could we praise God? So watch. In the world, people chase after provision. When we honor Jesus as our king, we know provision is taken care of. He gives us way more than provision. He gives us. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of peace. And how many know he gives us joy in the Holy Spirit? God gives us exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. There are a lot of rich people without righteousness. There are a lot of wealthy people without peace. You can't buy peace. You can't buy righteousness. There are certain things that money cannot buy. But our King Jesus, he provides all things, the Bible says, for our enjoyment. You know? He, when, when, a, when a dad buys a kid a soccer ball or a baseball glove and the kid is excited, the dad should say, thank you, Lord, that I could give this joy to my son. Everywhere. My king provided this for me. Yeah. 
That's what Abraham was saying. You know, he wasn't saying, look what I did. Bad move. Bad move. Don't say, look what I did. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your supernatural provision and blessing. Now listen, listen to what the Bible says. Jesus spoke to this. This is a tough issue for some people. You know, this is a tough issue. But here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. Okay, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can't do it. Can't do it. So there is a release and a breakthrough when you give your wallet to God. When you give your wallet to God, everything changes. And by the way, when you give your wallet to God, he starts to help you with these little cards that can destroy you. Because, because when you... When you begin the month by honoring God, he tempers and guides and leads and blesses. It's amazing how God helps you and breaks through for you. But he's got to be king. So here's what I, my wife and I were talking about this. Listen to this. When your money is his, is his money, he multiplies it. When your money is your money, you're on your own. Okay? Hallelujah. And you know what's cool? So I was in Pittsburgh this week. And um, I spoke at, a, at a, a church. And they had this big event downtown Pittsburgh. Um, I was with the lead pastor. I had spoken twice to kind of a group of pastors and leaders. And then they had a church-wide prayer meeting, a multi-site church. And it was interesting because um, when we got in, we, we had a special parking space because of the pastor. <laughs> we had a special parking space. And when we got in, as soon as we got in, they threw these things over us. And it said, all access pass. And so they were like these rooms like there was a room that you walked into and they were like like uh, bottles of water and some drinks and my favorite, like the veggie strips that I learned from my grandchildren. Those veggie strips are the bomb. I wanted to like take four with me, but I didn't have my bag. So those veggie strips are the bomb. So anyway, so I, I'm like going in all of these things and I'm going in these rooms and I realize, you know, Nobody here knows me, but I'm here because I'm with him. All access pass. So Abraham was the opposite of, you know who I am? He was the opposite of that. He was like, Lord, look at all the doors you open for me because I belong to you. How many feel that way? How many feel like he is our king and he creates all the access for us? Hallelujah. All the blessing. Hallelujah. Amazing. Amazing the doors that he opens and the way that he blesses us. Everybody say, you're my king. Yes, he is. He's our king. Second thing and then we're going to close. What Father Abraham was saying when he gave that tithe 
And what we're saying when we give the tithe is we are saying, you're my source. You're my source. Everybody say, you're my source. Now listen, you could have a king, but the king is not necessarily your source. Okay? You can have a king, but the king necessarily doesn't feel responsible to bless you and to take care of you. Okay? But our king, King Jesus, does take care of us, and he does watch over us. He is the one who blesses us and cares for us. And when Abraham gave the tithe, and by the way, when you, gave, when you tithe, right? Like I, uh, I'm, I, most people in our church now, they give automatically, which is fantastic. I think it's wise because you don't forget. Um, and all of my bills are, are programmed and whatnot. But I still write the tithe to check myself. Because I feel like when the offering went by, I just feel good about that moment when I can say, thank you, Lord. You're my source. Blessed God. Blessed Lord. It's wonderful. Throughout history, there's a proven track record of people saying, God, you're my source. And honoring God with their finances. I want to give you a couple of examples. Here's a couple biggies that you may or may not know. Anybody know John D. Rockefeller? Watch this story. And I need to, this is very, very important. He says, my first wages amounted to $1.50 per week. The first week after I went to work, I took the $1.50 home to my mother and she held the money in her lap and explained to me that she would be happy if I would give a tenth to the Lord. Let me pause right here. Well, let me keep going. I did. And from that week until this day, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted to me. See, he saw it as God entrusting him with it. So... And I want to say, if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. When he died in 1937, his assets equaled 1.5 of America's total economic output. How many know you cannot outgive God? But here's what I want to say. Moms, dads. Please teach your children to tithe. Please. We learn about money from our families. We learn about money from our culture. When you become a Christian, you're crossing over into the culture of the kingdom of God. It should be easy for our children. It might be a faith struggle for us, but it should be easy for our children to tithe. Teach them, because if they will tithe, how many know God will bless them? Could somebody say amen? Could we say yes, Lord? 
our kids are giving, we, we take an offering when our kids are there, and we take an offering so that they could see the powerful, the amazing faithfulness of God. Here's another one. We'll be closing in a second, but here's another one. Uh, 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 how many like them Quaker Oats? Okay, so listen, the founder of Quaker Oats, listen to this. As a young boy, he contracted tuberculosis and couldn't go to school. After hearing a sermon by D.L. Moody as a boy, Crowell prayed, I can't be a preacher, but I can be a good businessman. God, if you will let me make money, I will use it in your service. Under the doctor's advice, Crowell worked outdoors for seven years and regained his health. Then he bought a small, rundown Quaker mill in uh, Ravana, Ohio. Within 10 years, Quaker Oats was a household name to millions. For over 40 years, Crowell faithfully gave not 10%, 60 to 70% of his income to God's causes, having advanced from an initial 10%. The 10% belongs to God, but God will bless you so much that you'll say, I got to give you more than 10. You, you'll graduate. Look, could you go back for a second? D.L. Moody had a couple of people. They, they're known as gospel patrons. D.L. Moody had the McCormick family. You know McCormick Place? Christians. You know the Marshall Fields family? Christians. Those people gave to evangelistic outreaches and they gave to the building of the schools downtown. And all that you see is God bless some business people who were so blessed they gave even more because they saw God as their source. I just love preaching on this topic. And here's why. Just by simply talking about potatoes. You can experience one of the most amazing breakthroughs you'll ever see. You can experience such profound change when you really make God your king and your source. Anybody in this room blessed a little bit? How, how many people are blessed a little bit? Come on, lift your hands for a second. We're not going to take an offering right now. You give when you go to give. But here's what we are going to do. I think that we can give him a praise offering. I think we can stop for a minute and count our blessings. And say we're going to do a lot of things today. But we're going to just, we're going to kind of tie the moment of praise to you God. I want you to think about the goodness of God. I think about, I want you to think about the home that you're going to. And, and you may not have everything that you want, but that's okay because God can give you more. The key is to start blessing him for what you have today and say, you're my king and you're my source. Could we open our mouths and just say thank you to him? Come on, open your mouth right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Come on, stand to your feet for a second. We thank you, Lord God. 
Hallelujah. We praise you for things big and small, oh God. We thank you for one meal and two meals. And we thank you for bills being paid. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for, for the a clothing sale. And we thank you for being able to pay for school, oh God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for peace. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for joy in the Holy Ghost, oh God, which we could never buy, oh God. <laughs>